you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron the Addisons here on American Family Radio, and I'm Will Addison, and today is Wednesdays with Will. I'm glad that you can join me today. Before I get started, just a few announcements. Uh, email us at addisons at AFR.net. That's addisons, A-D-D-I-S-O-N-S, at AFR.net. Also, I'm excited about the Marriage Family Life Conference that's coming up uh, July 7th to the 9th. Uh, for all you guys that have registered, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement around it. Uh, I'm expecting to hear from the Lord. And also for the families that, that are coming, the questions that you may have, just some things that you may have been pondering in your heart, that God is going to answer those questions at this conference. I I pray specifically that that would happen. And so Marriage Family Life Conference, looking forward to it only in about three weeks, I believe. And also follow us on Facebook and you can follow us on YouTube or sus- subscribe to our page, uh, our, our YouTube channel. That's what it is, a channel on YouTube. That's right. But a Facebook page, just search for Airing the Addisons, Airing the Addisons, and you can watch the broadcast live. And also visit the By Design Facebook page and also the web page at afa.net slash by design. Uh, so today, um, today's topic is going to stem from a conversation that I recently had with Miki. Uh, she has been doing a study uh, series at our church, our local fellowship for the women um, on holiness on holiness. And so she shares with me a lot of what she um, has been uh, finding and digging through scripture and things like that. And so we had a conversation and she made a statement that really um, just impressed, was impressed upon my heart. And so the statement was, or the question was, what are we telling the world about who God is? What are we telling the world about who God is. And I pray that this will be an encouragement to everyone who is in Christ. Just understanding and knowing that our lives and the way that we live is saying something about God. If we're claiming to be Christians, that our lives, our conduct, what we say, what we do, and we're telling the world who God is as a high responsibility. And it could seem like a bird, a burden, But today I want that to be an encouragement, an encouragement for us to walk uh, worthily of that call, you know, in a holy manner. And this morning, uh, sometimes I get inspired to write different things. In in high school, just a little side note, in high school, I used to write a lot. Uh, I started writing poetry. Uh, I found that writing was a great outlet for me because I was very, very quiet. I would hold things in. So I would have these composition uh, notebooks 
of things of, of my thoughts. And, and there were poems, there were just thoughts, and I would write, write, write. But I got into a mode of, of writing a lot of like poetry at one point. And uh, I remember my dad told me, you know, this was later on after I got I had gotten older. He said, you know, Will, you need to write. You need to continue to write. He was he encouraged me to write. And and I always hear that in my in my head. Like, you need to write. You need to write. But sometimes I just can't find the time to do it. You know, Um, but this morning I was just inspired by uh, my conversation with Miki. And I and I wrote a little something. It's not a poem or anything. It's just some thoughts. And it says, from the time of the opening scene in creation to the time God introduced himself to Abram, to his holiness being displayed to Moses, his splendor, might, and wisdom displayed through David and Solomon, his word being declared by Isaiah and his judgments pronounced through Jeremiah, his faithfulness captured by Daniel and his companions and his promises fulfilled through Christ. His bride adorned in the first century church and his spirit's empowerment through his apostles. The peculiar nature of his people declared by Peter and preaching of his return by Paul. The certainty of his return and the scene of the new heavens and the new earth revealed by the spirit through John. The fulfillment of his certain victory and authority over all. These things brought about in a way to show us who this mighty God is and the honor we get as his people to make him known. This is the God that we have an opportunity to make known to those who don't know him. And by how we live our lives, by our conduct, by our speech, by our actions, we are charged to give this world an accurate picture of who God is. So the question, one of the questions for today is, are we representing him in a way that clearly displays his holiness? And are we accurately making him known? It's amazing because with this topic, you can you can talk about even the music that we produce. Are we giving people are we giving people an accurate picture of God in the songs that we are writing? Or if you're a pastor in the messages that you are preaching. If you're an artist, and you draw things in the art that you're producing. You know, that's something that is a responsibility of the believer those who are in Christ. And from Hebrews, from the Hebrews, the the children of Israel, to the Christians, holiness being set apart unto God has been a top priority. God formed a people that were not a people with the responsibility to make him known. It's amazing what God did. When you look back at scripture, and we're going to read some scripture, that out of one man, out of Abram, you know, there was a promise that was given that his seed was going to bless the whole world. That his descendants were going to be more in number than the sands of, of the seas, than the stars in the skies. And he created a people that were not a people. 
that they would display his majesty and his holiness. And this is what this was the Old Testament. I want to read this scripture here. This is um, Deuteronomy chapter seven. And listen to the words of this. And I just want to pray, Lord, that you will reveal to us the great responsibility that we have as your people. To carry your name. The responsibility we have in our walk as we live before those who don't know you to make them make you known in an accurate way. Lord, I pray, God, that you will help us to see maybe areas in our lives where we're not telling the truth about who you are because of the way that we're living. Lord, we desire to make you known, not just make you known with our lips, but to make you known in a way that people will see you for who you are in a real way, in a real way. Not just by church attendance, not just by, you know, good deeds that we do, but man, that we would show for the holiness of who you are, your kavod, your glory, that it will be known through your people. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you. These were nations that were greater and stronger than the Israelites. And when the Lord your God delivers them before you and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. See, he's establishing that holiness right there. This, there's a set apartness of his people. Remember my favorite scripture, the things that were written aforetime are written for our learning. So we look back at the Old Testament. We look back at the scriptures and say, man, this is to show something even in the New Testament that we're going to see, that there was a, a holiness, a set apartness, a consecrated people that God was producing from um, the Israelites. So he said, you shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. But thus you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and hew down their ashram and burn their graven images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. There it is. So they're supposed to do all these things. This is a rep representation of who God is. This is going to show forth his glory, his holiness. So you are a people set apart. And remember, this is the Old Testament. This is the Israel, these are the Israelites. It, you're set apart. You're a holy people to the Lord your God. All right. And the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people's who are on the face of the earth. <laughs> the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples. It wasn't because you guys were great. 
It wasn't because you were strong. And look, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we have that same testimony. It's not because of our smarts. It's not because of our strength. It's not because of anything that we have. But God told his people, Israel, the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to you to a thousand generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. But he repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments, which I am commanding you today to do them. That's Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 through 11. So he carved out a people for himself. And it was a people that were not strong, not mighty. As a matter of fact, he chose them for who they were. He created a people that were not a people. That his glory and his holiness would be spread across the world. Israel is an example to this whole world of the mighty and the living God. And the same is true for us, and I don't want to get ahead of myself again, as Christians, there was nothing that we could bring. He gave it all. And it wasn't because anything that we had that he chose us, but because he loved us. And he want to show his glory through his people. In Isaiah chapter 63, verse 14, there's a scripture that says, As the cattle which go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. It was all about glorifying God. To make for yourself a glorious name. That's why he chose them. It was about God's holiness, God's goodness. Are we presenting to the world an accurate picture of who God is by our lives? That's the question today. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, and I'll be back right after this. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And today we are asking the question, what are we telling the world about who God is? And I was saying how this question um, came from a conversation that 
um, Miki and I were having about God's holiness. She's doing a, um, a summer series at our church uh, for our ladies uh, about holiness. And when this question came up, it just weighed on my heart. It just, it, it was heavy. It was like, man, it was a question to me, a personal question, but yet it was also a question of the body of Christ in my heart as well. What are we telling the world about who God is? With all the things that are happening in the church today, what are we telling the world about who God is? I think that's something that we can um, just say la on, just kind of think about. We should. We should think of it in a personal way, like I said, but also in a corporate, uh, corporate way. And so I was uh, just reading the scriptures from Deuteronomy chapter 7. Well, God chose his people, Israel, not because of anything that they had to bring or their strength or their numbers. But it was his love for them. And he was creating a, a, a nation out of a people that were not a people to show forth his glory, to show forth his glory. So think about the history of God, God with his people. You know, I've kn I know I've read uh, scriptures often where there are different, uh, different instances that were, that were hard for me to comprehend. There were some, there's some scriptures and I'm just being transparent where I'm like, man, I don't understand God's way in this passage. Like why, why, man, why so severe or why the punishment was so like, you know, strong. When, when he was dealing with his people. And the, the main reason I had those questions because I was thinking in human terms. And some examples, and I'll, I'll just give you some examples of some of the questions I would have, you know, some of the things I would read, and I'd be like, man, Lord, like, wow. One was Moses not being able to enter the promised land. I thought, man, Moses went through all of this with the, with the people and he made a mistake that kept him out of the promised land. <laughs> or, you know, there were the stories, of, the story of uh, Achan and his sin that was revealed and his whole family was killed because of the sin that was in the camp. Uh, there was also Uzzah when he touched the ark and he was struck dead. You know, I would look at that story and I'd be like, man, wow. That just seems so severe. Then you have Nadab and Abihu. You know, they faced their demise when they offered up strange fire. <laughs> you know. In the New Testament, you have Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they lied to the Holy Spirit, but they were killed. They, they, they died. So I would look at these things and, and be like, Lord, like, wow. And I'm sure that there are many more that I've read throughout the years, you know, just wondering about God's judgment. And again, thinking in human terms. But I would have to say the more 
of the knowledge I get of, of who God is. And the more my love grows for him and I understand more and more God's holiness. Man, these instances. They don't seem the same to me. Because God has to be seen as holy. And when he gives a command, a direction, a directive or whatever it may be. It has to be followed. It has to be done like he said. He is holy. And so his judgments are true and right. When we understand that God is other than he's not like us. then when he when he says something. When he commands something, it is to be done. Consider our great God. Consider what God did in the Old Testament. Let's just look at the Old Testament for a minute. You know, we read about the people being formed unto himself. The promise given to Abram. A people in which God would display who, who he is. It would make sense that as his representatives, that they would be accurate in their presentation of who God is. Right? They have to be accurate in displaying who God is. He gave them laws to abide by. And those laws made, him, made them distinct from the other nations around them. And the Lord was giving these nations around them into their hands. But they were to be a consecrated and a people, a people set apart. And these laws, they not only protected them, but it, separate, it separated them. It made them set apart. These were things that the other nations were not doing. And the amazing thing was that God was their king. He protected them, he led them, and he provided for them. Think about it. Their clothes didn't wear out as they were in the wilderness. Their shoes held up. <laughs> None of the diseases of the surrounding nations came upon them. They received water from a rock. <laughs> they received manna from heaven. The seas parted for them so they can walk across on, on dry land. And all of this that was being done for God's people, when Israel was on the march, when they had went through Jericho, you know, as the, even as they were approaching Jericho, Jericho was, th those inhabitants were scared. They had heard about God's renown, what he did in Egypt. So here they come. And, and then they have another miracle where the waters part again and they go through. And they approach Jericho. But the word had already been sent. They already heard about this God. So not only did those people tremble, but all those nations. They had heard about the renown of God, the God that was able to deliver this people. And these people were coming to get the land that he had provided for them. So it was on these people to 
show God in an accurate way. All of that, that, that he had done for them, right? Making them a people where they, when they were not a people, forming them, performing miracles for them. They had to obey him. And he had to separate God as holy. He was not like other gods, lowercase g. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So when they disobeyed and they turned from God, not separating him as holy, he chastised them. They were taken captive. They were enslaved. But in the fullness of time, he delivered them. God also provided prophets to warn them, but they didn't heed the prophets. Then they wanted to be like other nations, led by a human king, not understanding that they had the king of kings ruling over them. <sighs> we do the same thing. And that's why I'm not quick to look at the children of Israel and say, oh, man, you know, these guys, they, they just didn't get it. Because a lot of times we don't get it. The point of this was that God was to be treated as holy. And, he, and it was to be displayed to the whole earth who the true and the living God was. And through their history of many bumps and bruises brought about by their own deeds and their own actions, they have succeeded to bring us to the Christian church today. So all the stuff that we read about in the Old Testament and we see through the nation of Israel, they have succeeded in showing that the God of the Bible is holy. We have all the documents to show it. The, we have all the stories and the different times that he, he, he rescued his people. And for us today, we have no excuse. So for from the Hebrews, from the Israelites to today, to the Christians today, today we have the same charge. We have the same charge as those that he purchased with his own blood. We are charged to give this world an accurate picture of who God is. The scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, Glorify God in the day of visitation. 
So we have the same charge today. That we are to present God as holy. That we are to keep our behavior excellent among the Gentiles, among those who don't know God. Among those who are far away, we are to be ones who show them how, how a Christ follower acts and looks. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? What are we telling the world about who God is? The Bible also says in Ephesians chapter 2, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, right, us, and peace to those who were near, the Jewish people, the Israelites. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. So with this charge, we are to represent him well. How are we representing God? What are we telling the world about who God is? God is still holy. He is worthy of an accurate representation. And in God setting apart uh, a people unto himself, within that group, he set apart those special, uh, specially put apart for service. Remember the, the Levites? So within God's chosen uh, uh, people, the, the, the Israelites, he had a group of people within that were set apart as well. They, they were Levites. They were the priests. So that is the answer to why it's so egregious when a pastor or when a leader fail. Right? Because the question is, why, why does it sting so much? Why is the sting so intense when a pastor or a leader fell? Well, I believe we have the answers from Scripture. One thing is, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. And pastors and leaders have been entrusted with much. With a whole lot... They keep watch over the souls of men. And so when you have a pastor or a leader fall, man, it's, it's, it's egregious. When any believer falls, it's egregious. But when you have those in leadership who, who fall, it's egregious. More of this when we come back. Stick with us.
our God is an awesome God. Yeah. He reigns from heaven above. We're going to take him there. With wisdom, power, and love, and our God is an awesome God. Okay, Ma. Our God, our God yeah. is an awesome God. God he reigns Let's make this from heaven Just put them on the ritz. No. Nope. There is thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fists. What else? The Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. No. Nope. It wasn't for no reason that he shed his blood. Come on. His return is very close, so you better be believing. That what? This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. We're asking the question today, what are we telling the world about who God is? What are we telling the world about who God is? And so before uh, the break, I was talking about how it's so egregious when pastors and leaders fail. Um, Because even in the Old Testament, God had set aside a, a, a group of priests unto him, himself, who would minister to the people and minister to him. And they were called upon to do uh, certain things. And they were to be separate, separated. They were to be consecrated. They were to be holy unto God. And when we take on uh, the call of God to be pastors, to be preachers, man, that's, that's a responsibility to make God known and to present God as holy. Now, I'm not saying that the you know, those who are not pastors and not leaders don't have that same obli- obligation. But you can clearly see, even from the Old Testament example of the Levites, that there is something to be said about those who have been consecrated for a particular service. In my reading, uh, I was reading Ezekiel chapter 44, and it talks about the Levites. And there's one particular aspect of things that, uh, that I see that, man, it, it, it caused me to think about the pastors and the leaders and what we call to do today. And so in Ezekiel chapter 44, it talks about the ordinances for the Levites. And it said, but the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me. And they shall stand before me and offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary. They shall come near to my table to minister to me and keep my charge. It shall be that when they enter at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments. So they had a special uh, clothing that they had to wear. And wool shall not be on them while they are ministering in the gates of the inner court and in the house. Linen turbans shall be on their heads and linen undergarments shall be on their loins. And they shall not gird themselves with anything which makes them sweat. When they go out into the outer court, into the outer, into the outer court to the people, so when they are done ministering, when they go out into the outer court where the people are, they shall put off their garments in which they have been ministering and lay them in the holy chambers. Then they shall put on other garments so that they will not transmit holiness to the people with their garments. That, that was amazing to me. Also, they shall not shave their heads, 
yet they shall not let their locks grow long. They shall not, they shall only trim the hair of their heads, nor shall any of the priests drink wine when they enter the inner court. And they shall not marry a widow or a divorced woman, but shall take virgins from the offspring of the house of Israel, or a widow who is the widow of a priest. Now, all those stipulations, they, they were a separate people within the congregation. They had certain duties that they had to perform. But this is the thing right here in, in verse 23. It says, moreover, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. They had a specific job to do amongst the people to teach them the difference between the holy and the profane. So if the priests are act, acting in a way that's profane, how can they teach holiness? How can they do it? So it's egregious when those who have been called by God to be pastors and leaders operate in a way that does not show God as holy. Moreover, they shall teach the people the difference between the holy and the profane. We have pastors and leaders who are teaching people things that are not holy and that are profane, causing them to stumble and to fall away. We have that happening. We have pastors and leaders who, have been, who, who are, 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 are teaching things that are stumbling blocks to those who are in Christ. But the charge for the priest, for the Levites, was to teach the people the difference between the holy and the profane and to cause them to discern, to be able to understand and to know what is clean and what is unclean. So the, the priest taught the difference. In the same way today, pastors and leaders, we are supposed to teach the people through the power of the Holy Spirit what is holy, what is profane, to help them have discernment, to know what is clean, what is unclean. This was a high calling. It was set apart. In the New Testament, we see James. He speaks of the roles of teachers in a way uh, that's, that has some similarities. He said, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. A stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So the, the, the admonition or the, or the concern or the warning given by James is, don't try to become a teacher. Not many people should become teachers. Like, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such we will incur a stricter judgment. So you have to understand that even with the Levites, they had a certain position that God held them responsible for. And they were to make God holy, present God as holy before the people and to teach them what is profane, what is holy, what is clean, what is unclean. And then Paul, he highlights the special responsibilities of, of, of an elder that one who teach. He said, the elders who rule well 
are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So there's something different about that. There's something different about that. The Levites were called to teach. The pastors and teachers of today, ministers are called to teach. Not all, you know, uh, are teachers. Some pastors, you know, they, they have to be able to teach. But some don't have this great gift of teaching. But this is something that the Lord has set aside for his people to grow them, to help them, to encourage them. And when we as leaders are not saying what God is saying about matters of life, matters of sexuality, you know, matters of order in the church, different things like that, we're not giving the right picture of who God is. And we've been called to do that. We've been called to show God is holy because he is holy. So when the world looks at us, they're like, man, why would I want to be like them? Why would I, why do I, why would I need to change my ways and do, you know, what they're doing when they're doing what I'm doing? That's not presenting God as holy. If we're naming the name of Christ, that's not presenting God as holy. The teaching of the Levites and the teaching of the, of the New Testament elders was a duty of teaching holiness. Responsibility and provision were assigned to both groups for the Levites and also for elders. It's egregious when those who are called to teach God's people uh, in his holiness fail to do so, whether in word or deed. Consider Paul's words in Romans chapter 2. He says, but if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth, you therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? And he says, for the name of of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That's what happens when we don't show God is holy by our lives, by our deeds, by our words. We cause those who are God haters who don't know God to blaspheme. I've said it before. Like, why is it so easy for the world to like disregard the church? Why is it so easy for there to be, you know, a multitude of jokes at the expense of the church? For the church not to be taken seriously. What have been decades and decades of not showing God is holy. That question remains. What are we telling the world about who God is? We have a lot of things going on. We have a lot of situations in this world. 
We have a lot of opportunities and more will come for us to stand on God's word as it uh, uh, concerns culture, as it concerns where things are going. This is an opportunity for us as believers. This is an opportunity for us to give this world an accurate picture of who God is. The question is, will we meet up to the, the challenge? Man, this is a glorious thing. Think about it. God desires for us to show this world who he is. And we can do it through our lives. That, that should cause us to straighten up a little bit more. That should cause us to say, oh, Lord, this is a great responsibility, but it's an honor. When we're at work, when we're wherever we are, are we, get, are we giving pic, people the right picture of who God is? It's a heavy, heavy question. But man, if we are dedicated and committed to God, man, it's a privilege. It's an honor. I know as I was thinking about this, I was like, Lord, I have an opportunity with, with my life to show those who don't know you who you, who you are. Man, we should all stand in awe of that that he desires to show us, show himself through us, just as he did through the children of Israel. And all the nations had to take heed. They knew that there was a God in Israel. They, they knew that the God of Israel was a mighty God, that there was none like him. They, they, were, they trembled. They were afraid. They understood what was happening. Is that the same reaction that we get? That people, when, when they see us, they know the God that we serve. You're like, man, that's something about Will. Man, that God that he serves, look, I want that to be so. If it's not, I want that to be so. And it, what may seem like a burden, man, should turn into an honor. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Because you didn't choose me because of great strength or because of great intellectual ability. Uh, because of any other reason. You didn't choose me, but you showed your great love to, towards me, just as you did your, your, your people Israel. It wasn't because they were great in number. It wasn't because they, were such a, they had such a strong army. It wasn't because of what they could bring to the table. And it's the same with us who are in Christ today. There's nothing that we could bring that made us worthy. But he chose us. So we who are in Christ are to be careful to give the world around us the proper picture of who God is. God's holiness and his glory, his kavod, has been assigned to us to represent in the earth. Think of this. We get the honor, not the burden, but the honor of making sure that this world has the right view of our God. And as we grow in our love for him, it moves from a burden to a mind-blowing honor and a privilege. In all that we do, let's seek to make him known in our world, in our word, in our thoughts, and in our deeds, in the most accurate way possible, by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.